What's up, everybody? We are here on the IBN Sports Update. I got to get the banners made. Um, it's been a while since I've had to do that because we got banners for everything else, but this is like the inaugural podcast for the group. And because I have the luxury of being free during the afternoon, and so does Akeem, we're going to do the podcast here. And uh, Akeem's joining us representing Michigan, um, and he he's earned it. I think he's been our <laughs> – I wouldn't say the resident Michigan fan, but he's literally in the chat where all we do is pick at Michigan and Texas. So thank God we don't have to deal with both of them being in the uh, national yeah. championship. That would have been awful. I would have, I would have shut the chat down. But um, he is, like I said, the resident Michigan fan, and we're going to break down the game a little bit, talk a little bit about um, what we think will happen, and then uh, obviously get your thoughts to start out on the uh, Bama game. Man, I, I just all I got one word to say: intense. As a, <laughs> as a fan, intense. I mean, from the first play, literally on, literally when JJ threw that interception, that wasn't an interception. I was just sitting there like, okay, here we go. Deja vu. Yeah, the interception, so, the fumbles. Yeah, I mean, well, I I I don't knock Samaj too much for that fumble. I think that was just him trying to make a play as a freshman. You know. That's just that happens, you know. You don't, of course, you don't want to happen in the big game, but I just attribute that to him being just a true freshman, you know, just trying to make a play. But other, other than that, you know, I, I, I'm, 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 I came away happy. Uh, defense, they did everything that I thought they were going to do. Uh, Milrow, like I told you before, it's like Milrow really wasn't what I thought they were going to hype him up to be because I, I, I thought, hey, we keep him in the pocket try to make him a passer, you're going to see his flaws. And clearly they were there. And everybody wants to talk about the, the bad snaps, which were obviously there. But I think he was more worried about the the bull rush coming at him because I don't think Alabama realized how, I think, fast, on pay, on fast like live, that Michigan was. I think that kind of surprised him a little bit defensively because I know when that first play uh, Alabama had offensively and McGregor got right to Milrow, I don't think he was expecting that. I really don't think they were expecting that. And I know Alabama's had their problems with the offensive line, but I don't – I mean, I know they've seen – they saw Georgia prior to, but I don't think they thought Michigan, as a talent-wise, was on that level of a Georgia. And I think that kind of flustered them a little bit. But and towards, towards the end of the game, I was like, when we tied it up, my first thought was, how come the plays they were running, I'm like, we could have did this earlier in the game. I mean, I, I mean, the urgency of the drive and the whole nine yards. I mean, Jim going for it on fourth and two, still had all three timeouts in our back and on, 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 on our own side. And, hey, they just made the plays that had to be made. I mean, shout out to Blake Corn and shout out to Roman Wilson. I mean, they made the plays to be made. And shout out to JJ, too, and the O-line. So, but yeah, as I, I was very surprised at the um, lack of preparation from – the, the Bama team, like, and I had said something a little bit about, um, about maybe there needed to be more pre-snap stuff. I'm not sure if that, if that happens, um, you know, at the co collegiate level, a lot of times for folks, if there's a lot of pre-snap and um, it just looked like Milro didn't really know what he was doing. The line didn't know what they were nah. doing. They, they all look really uh, just out of sorts, man. Like, like a lot of the penetration from Michigan was so fast. It was like, did you know who you were supposed to block that play? 
was, it was confusing me. Like I, I was like, wait a minute, because it was. I mean, we've seen people get dominated. We've seen people look bad. We've never seen somebody literally just like it was like snap. He's getting. He's got a guy in his face. Like snap. He's got a guy in his face. It was reminiscent of the Pittsburgh Steelers earlier in the season when they yeah. were their offensive struggles. There was one play where we where they sacked Milrow, and one of the linemen he had. Josiah Stewart on one side and Sandra still was coming up the coming up on the other side for the uh the corner blitz. He he had both his hands out on opposite, he had both his hands out. He didn't know what to do. He was trying to get a push on one end, he was trying to get a push on another end. He didn't know what to do, he didn't know who to block. And, and he got he got Milwaukee got lit up. And he was just like, Man, this I, I was telling the guys in the chat, I'm like, I hope I think they're gonna get like 10 sacks. I was almost right because the guy had six of what six in the first half. Yeah, well, five. well, five in the first half, but only one in the second half. So there was yeah. some kind of adjustment made, and and I obviously they didn't pass as much in the second half. But either way, it's almost like they kind of figured out a way to get alleviate some of the pressure. And um, I wasn't really impressed with Michigan's second half adjustments, but they were. I mean, it was a tight game. It was back and forth, and ultimately, you know, they won. So I won't be too critical. I think they did what they needed to do to win the game. Yeah. So it's like one of those things where you like if you if you look at it on both sides, they made Bama look ugly. I just feel like um, at times it could have been cleaner for Michigan, but in the same breath, they ended up winning in overtime in a game where all the mistakes were essentially by them. Um, I think you know Milrow had one interception or fumble. It was a fumble that yeah, was fumble. really really goofy, uh, kind of a momentum killer. But um, you know Michigan in the same breath almost gave it back again with like thirty seconds left. Yeah. Uh, so it, it was one of those games where if we're going to be critical or me personally, I'm going to be critical of Michigan. I got to be just as critical of Alabama and it's just not worth it. Nah, I mean, I, I just, just knew that like the importance of that game for Michigan from a program standpoint. I mean, it can't be understated. You know, I think people knew that going in and considering what was going on during the season, all that drama and then just going into that game. Cause if they lost that game, oh man, that, that would just heighten it up even more. But the fact that Harbaugh pulled it out this time, uh, I'm quite pleased, even though I don't think he's going to be there next year. But uh, I mean, if he wins it, if he wins it all, he really should just leave out on top. Don't yeah. don't come back and, and go to the NFL and you got a national championship and just pursue your goal of winning the Super Bowl at some point. Because he is a good coach, regardless of how I feel about him personally. He is a good coach and he's has success at all levels. I don't think people re like recall sometimes where he started, what he did for Stanford, what he did for the 49ers, and what he's done for Michigan. Uh, it hasn't been the easiest of roads at either stop. He's had to rebuild something that used to be good, and he's found success in doing that. So you got to give him credit there, and, and that's probably the nicest thing I've ever said about him and probably will be the <laughs> nicest thing that I ever say about him. But I got to give him credit for that. But, yeah, it's what's wild, like, Michigan has really never been at this level before. Yeah. Yeah, we've had a lot of wins, but I don't think they've ever been at that level where they were one of truly the top dogs of college football. Yeah, so, I'm, I'm scrolling through some stuff um, online, and I keep seeing – I think they keep saying they're the best team since 1997. Yeah. Yeah. That's the most – 97, I would agree. Yeah. I would say, but, Amy, like I said, job's not finished. Got to finish it off Monday night, and it's not going to be easy. Because their opponent's pretty good. I, I mean, I've watched them all year as well. So they're they're pretty solid on that other side. So, so in your opinion, what makes uh, Washington a dangerous team? 
man, they're solid just offensively. They're just really explosive. You you take one good look at them, solid quarterback, solid O-line, solid running back, three really good receivers, a true number one, and two really good secondary receivers. I mean, I, I know you disagreed with me while, while a couple days ago, but they remind me a lot of Ohio State 2022-2023 with C.J. Stroud. Yeah, I only I only disagree not by the talent, but just because the coach of this particular team knows how to maximize those weapons. Yeah, and I mean, I agree. People can take it for what they want with Ryan Day. It, that's a knock on them. It's a legitimate knock. Like you see, you seen the meme. Everybody didn't seen the meme. They had JSN. They had Olave. They had um, Gary Wilson. Gary Wilson. Jigba. Yeah, and Jigba. Olave. Yep. Them dudes sat out. He had Marvin Harrison Jr., you know what I'm saying? And and he still had the talent of C.J. Stroud as quarterback, who was good in college. He's good in the pros. Like So yep. the talent, there's enough talent there that makes me mad at the coach more so than mad at the players when I look at their, their lack of hardware or accolades um, or big-time wins, per se, especially in the playoffs, because that's, that's something that most programs and most coaches would die for. And I think that um, that Washington has that level of talent, not necessarily like uh, somebody pointed out. Marvin Harrison Jr. individually is the best receiver in college football, hands down. Mm -hmm. This is the best collection of wide receivers, hands down, I think, in college football. And then the way Penix is playing right now, he's he's a top three quarterback in college football, depending on how you look at it. He might actually be the best quarterback in college football. Just depends on what lens you're looking through. But he's more than capable in his six-year, air quotes, more than capable of of, um, leading this team. And I, I agree with you. I think that's what makes them dangerous, too. And I wouldn't even say top three. I think they can go as far as five or six uh, uh, receiving options where you can trust these guys to run the right route, to to have their head turned when they need to catch the ball. And what really makes them dangerous is their top three are good 50-50 guys. Like, I think Texas learned that the hard way. It ain't just the wide receiver one. It's whatever option he wants to throw to at whatever side he wants to throw. If it's a 50-50 ball, if you're a DB, you got to – you got to be ready, man, because these guys are physical at the point of attack on catching passes, and they're tough. They catch across the middle. They can take some hits. They'll run screens. They block. They are a tough group of guys. They, and while, as I say that, there is one thing I will push back on them for, for a couple things reasons. One, while their offense is really, really good, is one issue. Their defense, not so much. And – there's a stat that I found out the other day. This is the worst national championship de- game defense since Cam Newton's Auburn team back in 210. And those are the Cam years. So I that Cam was just a I now mean, Cam he's a, just Cam a story a himself. Yeah, he's yeah. a guy. <laughs> yeah. That he's just guy in himself. But no, nah, this defense, hey, they give up a lot of yards in the air, which is kind of it's kind of funny because Michigan really doesn't really want to throw the ball in the air. They kind of want to keep it real safe keep it on the ground and try to run through you and uh their run defense isn't all that bad which is kind of interesting but they they can be had through the air so that's going to be interesting how sharon moore and harbaugh attack them defensively i think points i mean i think points are going to be there for michigan i think the drives are going to have to be about six seven eight minutes long to keep washington's offense off the field but they got to score seven instead of three yeah that's the key 
Yeah, I, I said that on uh, on air today. Um, I think um, Marcus Spears, I don't do a lot of ESPN watching, but it's on the TV in the studio, obviously. So uh, there was a segment he did yesterday. He was talking about the Eagles defense, and they asked him, like, what's the key to run defense? And I thought it was – I thought what he said made complete sense, and you hear it often, but I don't think people understand. It's A lot of it's just effort. It's just a commitment yeah. to being tough and to wanting to stop this this 320-pound man in front of you from pushing you back two to three steps or linebackers wanting to put a hat on somebody even if they're not going to make the tackle. You have to want contact and physicality to be a, a, a good run-stopping defense. And I think Washington has some of those elements in there. Uh, one thing about their defense that I, I do like, if they're going to lose or they're going to get beat, they get beat going 100%. You don't really see yeah. a lot of loafing. If a, if a guy if a guy gets beat, he's hustling, you know, trying to make a play. And I think I think their effort is what got them by Texas cuz Texas offensively, um especially in their passing attack, that's like the strength of their team, you know. Yeah. Quinn, Quinn Ewers, um I pointed it out in the chat and I'll say here you know, and I said on the last podcast, too, the guy was 76 percent completion percentage against Oklahoma State. And on the year, about 64, 65 percent. He was 55 percent against Washington, like a, a team known to have a pretty porous secondary uh, made it tough, made it tough for him. And, and you know, that's yeah. what you got to do a lot of times with um, with pass coverage. You just got to close the windows, make it tough. You know, and one thing that will probably come up and liable to hurt Washington. They're one of the most penalized teams in college football. I don't think people have pointed that out. But when we're talking about their secondary, maybe some PIs and stuff like that, that might come into play. I think, you know, there needs to be more of an effort on Michigan's part to incorporate McCarthy in the run game. Uh, you know, it took him a while to get there with Bama. But honestly, that was the one I think, you know, you were in the chat when I was calling for it. Like, dude, that's the one thing that they, they can't account for at that yeah. particular juncture was the QB run and they drew up one and it, and it was a pretty big game. Like they gotta, they gotta make that more consistent this game. Like he, you can't allow a team like Washington, who's probably going to be selling out throwing blitzes and things like that. You can't allow them to get comfortable and feel like they've got to read on what you want to do, or they dictate what happens. And the same on the offensive side, I think the danger here for Michigan is falling into that trap where they end up in a, in a sprinting match with Washington, just like they ended up with TCU. There are similarities to the pace that they can play at. I don't know about yeah. the necessarily the offensive scheme. Um, I don't I don't think it's close to the same, but there's similarities to the pace at which Washington can play from time to time. When they play Oregon, I think they play the first three quarters pace up. They were on it. Boom, boom, yep. boom, boom, boom. And then when they got the lead, and then you know, there were times where they would themselves be inefficient, they slow it down just a little bit. A little bit, you know, like 25 seconds between plays and things like that and uh, get those third and shorts, those third and ones or those third and twos where they can run for a yard. And if it's fourth and one, they can they can go for it if they want to be aggressive. That's, I think, the strength of this team is that they are very unpredictable, but willing to take the chances, almost similar to the Detroit Lions in the NFL. Whereas, you know, if, if the play is to win the game, that is the play they're calling. If yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's what they want. They want to win the game. They they like, you know how we were all questioning if Harbaugh was gonna punt or something like that on the fourth yeah. and two without a hesitation. Washington's going for it. We already know. <laughs> so I think that's their strength. Yeah, there was a head scratcher during the season that they had actually. 
which to this day still confuses me. They beat Washington, what is it, Arizona State 15 to 7, and they didn't score a single. Yes, a they did not score a single offensive touchdown. They needed a pick six to beat one of the worst teams in Power Five. And that one to me was an absolute head scratcher, which luckily for them turned out in their favor. But I I watched that game too. And I mean, I was in the chat asking you guys, I said, wait a minute, what's going on here? I say these guys look like world beaters on offense versus Oregon, and they turn around against Arizona State, who's not any good, and they couldn't even get up a touchdown. I'm like, that if that was my only concern about them during the year, but they, they corrected that later on down the road. But that was probably the only thing I have a pushback on them with, with Washington. That, that one was just a head scratch, scratcher to me. So as a financial investor in, in college sports and college collegiate athletes, I can tell you <laughs> that the worst thing that can happen sometimes is you get that win over like an Oregon or somebody because the next week you got the, the worst team in the division or conference yeah. or something like that. Like, these kids 100% was like, we good. <laughs> like, yeah. Can you just see what we did? Yeah. We good, man. They, yeah, they saw man. it too. Like, they saw it too. They, they man, they, they ain't up for this. And Arizona State was probably like, no, this is, we're going to beat this team. We want to beat the man to beat the man. And and that yeah. happens a lot in college. It, not so much per se in, in professional sports. There We use terms look ahead and, and, and certain spots where teams might play down the competition. But in college with these kids, man, it, I mean, it's drastic. It's drastic. So it's good that they bounce back from that. I, I view that as somewhat of a positive because if you look at the the schedule for the for the Washington Huskies, it's not the prettiest, but they win games. And so yeah. I think in a situation like this, if this game is close, if you have a situation where it's like Michigan and Alabama, I think the Huskies are, are comfortable with that. This is what they're used to. This is their element. And not to say that Michigan would get tight because obviously they pulled it out last week. But confidence-wise, I think the biggest key here for Michigan is to find a way to show them, to, to without saying it, but show them that you are not on this level. And to keep the game close, for them to still be in the game with, with maybe four minutes left in it or something like that, it would probably – it would be the worst case scenario if I'm a Wolverine that they're still hanging around within a possession or you're behind a possession to this team. Like you want to be comfortable enough where you can continue to run the ball. And if a mistake happens, so what, so be it. But you want to put that, you want to put that um, pressure that you feel as the team that needs to win should win on the underdog, because that right now they have no expectations. Like a lot of people didn't None. expect them to beat uh, Texas. But like I told Ben before the game, this is a perfect matchup for Washington because I don't think they would have beat Bama or Michigan in the first game. But Texas played a style of football and had the kind of weaknesses that could be a confidence builder for Washington. And as they showed with their turnovers too, kept Washington in the game, even when Washington wasn't scoring. It was it was just enough of confidence, just enough momentum, just enough of a pace that they love to play at where they never really looked like they were out of sorts. Michigan has a different dynamic. And, um, you know, we, we talk about the run game, but I, I really think McCarthy's got to show up again. Took him a little while to get going in this game. If you're looking for similarities in the schedule of opponents, uh, Michigan's only played two top 55 offenses, passing offenses, two top 55 passing offenses. I will let you guess what those two are. Cause I'm pretty sure, you know, off the top of your head. 
I know the world one. I know the one is in Columbus. Yeah. Um, Dang, it might it might shock you. Maryland, yep, Maryland, yeah, Maryland, yeah. (laughs) You know, I'm gonna say something, but I'm gonna keep quiet on it. I read a rumor about Maryland that has to do with Ohio State, but I'm gonna keep quiet on it until after the game (laughs) Monday. (laughs) So, I mean, it kind of shocked me. I'm like, Maryland, like really, like. But I'm 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 gonna chill. I'm gonna chill. I'm gonna stay quiet on that one. So, so the similarities there are just that these are two two offenses that they don't they don't turtle basically, um, and I thought I thought the tongue of Aloha um, comparison uh, to to what Penix can bring to the game at his highest peak he's a bad Penix <laughs> I think is is what we're looking at yeah. but he was able to navigate the pressure um, and able to move the ball effectively in a way that. Nobody up until that point had done against Michigan. And you can say it was a look at his spot for Michigan because I think they had Ohio State the next week. Harbaugh wasn't there. They were going through all that nonsense. And then uh, it was a road game. But this is a neutral site game, and you're still getting the same questions even though Harbaugh is there. So um, with a more explosive and scarier offense. So I think, you know, if we're looking for any kind of similarities of what could be uh, for the Michigan defense against the Washington offense, there's a little bit of evidence there. We don't have anything that can replicate Michigan's offense against anything Washington has faced. I mean, nah. they just they're just not built like that in the Pac-12 uh schematically. Um, but you know, these kids are well coached, they play hard, and it's it's corny and cliche, but I, I'm telling you, that's the only thing they got to to cover that gap of of their man to man, like basically hat to hat. If you go 22 Michigan players and the 22 Washington players. Washington, especially on the defensive side, the effort of those 20 or those 11 on the defensive side is what's going to close the gap between them and the Michigan offense, I think, at the end of the day. I agree with you. I have no disagreements with you on that one because at the end of the day, I think it's just like like it's like strength, their strength against our strength. Who who basically dictated dictates it more is going to win this game mm-hmm. and it's kind of interesting because the o-line i think o-line to me is going to be the key in this game because their o-line won the joe moore award this year for the best o-line and ours won it the last two years and actually they played real well against bama by the way didn't sack mccarthy bama didn't sack mccarthy one time which kind of surprised me because they had they got some dogs up there in uh, up front in Alabama with uh Turner and uh I forgot the other guy's name. Um, yeah, but that was interesting. I mean, that's probably the best they played in pre- pass protection all year. And I was like, there was a lot of questions from Michigan fans about the old line and pass pro. And I was like, eh, they're gonna be fine, give it time. You know, when the right team shows up, I think they're gonna be okay. And luckily they did show up, but they're gonna uh I think they're really going to have to show up uh, Monday night. I think they're going to run the ball just like Jim's going to just say, run, 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 until they until they absolutely stop, can't stop us. But I don't know. I I, I, I think Washington's going to get points. I, I really believe that. I mean, I see them getting at least, I would say a range of 21-24. If Michigan can hold them around that number, I think they'll be in good shape as long as the offense is – Running the ball effectively, that then that's my kind of take on that game. Really. Yeah, I agree. And and 
again, Penix has a he's six years in, man. <laughs> and, and a lot of those years was spent in, in Indiana, so it's not like he's unfamiliar with this. Like the brand of Michigan football hasn't changed since Harbaugh has been there. So nope. if you played them at least once or twice, you you know how they're gonna play. They're gonna be hard nosed, they're gonna be tough, they're gonna be physical at the point of attack. And if you hold on to the ball too long, they're gonna make you pay because they got a lot of good bull rushers up front. And uh, I think I think their quickness on the line is a little bit better this year uh, than the years past. And and you know I expect that Washington can handle that or at least scheme it a little bit better. Got a quarterback that can recognize blitzes a whole lot quicker than Milrow could. Absolutely, uh, and, that is going to be a key. And you got receivers that are are just they're just born to be man beaters. So if if we see a lot of man to man, I think that favors uh, Washington. And and then with Penick's ability to to move around in the pocket or even get free, you you run the risk when you're playing a guy that's got his passing ability and then his quickness that if he does get outside the pocket, and J.J. McCarthy does the same thing, if he does get outside the pocket, then you got a whole other element that you got to worry about, and you worry about these guys leaking. And in the case of um, of Washington, I think their receivers are a little bit more speedier than what Michigan has, and, and that would be that would be an issue. But McCarthy extends drives with his legs, and that makes him dangerous. It's all about how these guys are going to get coached up this week and who's going to be willing to sell out, even in the coaching booth. Like, who's going to call the play that's going to be like, you know what, I want to win. I'm not playing not to lose. I'm playing to win. So, you know, um, punts are going to be considered uh, a negative. Field goals in this game, I think, would be considered a negative because Michigan is more efficient in the red zone probably because of their run game. But Washington, I think, has shown um, the just this uncanny ability. When they need it, they get it. Regardless yeah. of how they're playing, when they need it, they get it. You talked about the Arizona State game. They needed a pick six. They need the defense to show up. They got it. It's almost like they're the luckiest team as well as being one of the better teams in the nation because yep. anybody else has a game like that, they probably lose. They probably don't get the plays that they need. Fourth and one in the Apple Cup. They call that beautiful play, and they get the exact defensive look they needed to execute it, win the game. You know, Everybody else kind of has this hiccup where it's like, uh, like Bama. They just needed the the uh, outside outside blitzer or, or spy to over pursue just another step and a half, and 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 a good snap, and they might we might be talking about something different. Washington. What was your thoughts on that last play? Um, initially I was like, "What? This is stupid." <laughs> but the more I saw people breaking it down, like I'm, I'm hearing that it was supposed to be an RPO, and he panicked because of the snap. I don't know if if that RPO thing really sits well with me. Because I don't, I don't think they had the numbers on the swing pass to the running back. And then, you know, you're already in shotgun. This was supposed to be, as, as Nick said, it was supposed to be a two-point conversion play because they were about three yards away, which is about a two-point conversion. So that makes sense. A swing pass in that situation, you're, you're putting your guy now six to seven yards back yep. to go forward. That, that doesn't make any sense to me. That, I don't think that's a call or design that he would come up with in that situation. I think it was supposed to be a QB run, but with that trap action I was talking about in the um, in the chat that they had been running those counter and trap looks uh, from the offensive line, when the guard pull left, Milrow was supposed to follow his butt and run right off of the, his outside butt. Even if, even if the spy comes in, 
he had to be he had to be honest to his assignment because the the running back is running out there. So there's like this pause. So if he does come back in to come after the quarterback, the idea is by that time the quarterback's with his momentum is going to get the three yards necessary to fall in the end zone. I think that's what was supposed to happen. And Milrow ran into the back of the guard because he has no vision and he was freaked out because the snap was low and it just it just blew up in their face. And it's one of those situations, if it works, you're a genius. If it doesn't, we make fun of you. And that's what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, part of that play, I noticed the Michigan D-line, one of the guys, he, I mean, he pushed, he literally pushed my man right back. Like you said, he pushed him right back in the mill row. Yeah. And I was like, whoa. And that was Josiah, I think it was Josiah Stewart. And uh, he, his, the guy that was, he, that was blocking him, he had quite a bit of weight on him. Because I know Bama's line averaged about, they said about, what is it 350? I may over exaggerating that number. There, it was pretty big line, and Michigan, Michigan's guys were pretty on the small side compared to them, but well, they I'm just gonna, kept getting great push all I'm game. Gonna, I'm gonna tell you straight up, man. Uh, after scouting Evan Neal and and uh, these guys behind him, Bama, Bama's O line plays too high. That's really their main issue. No matter how big they are, all right. these dudes are way too high uh, to to take on a lot of these these. Bull rushers. That's why Evan Neal's been struggling in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I don't know if his if if he's coached that way. And uh, what am I to criticize Bama coaching? But I'm just saying, from a technical standpoint, a lot of these guys are playing too high, and that's why they're getting pushed back so much. And uh, in that case, I used to play in the offense where where we had to pull, and even at the little league level, everybody tells you like you can't have penetration going backwards. If you're if you're an offensive lineman, when the guards are pulling because you're getting in their way, it disrupts everything. Right. And, and it throws it is honestly the best way to disrupt those kind of offenses. If they, if people are running traps and stuff, if 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 anything, they should have probably let him get the bull rush penetration he wanted and had somebody pull and take him out the play, which is what the Lions were doing to the Cowboys on Saturday, which, yeah. again, similar action, similar action to on the on the offensive line. But that's the idea behind it. I'm running counters and stuff to take take advantage of your aggression, you know, get you moving in one direction, pull somebody, push you out the way. You're thinking the ball's coming this way and I'm going the opposite way and this and that. Like you take the counter step to throw off the linebacker. So there's a lot of little nuances in there that I feel like it just had to be perfect for Bama in order for it to work. And they just mm-hmm. couldn't get that all game. They just could not get the perfect execution which is unbama-like. And so in that sense, Michigan definitely deserved the win. They were definitely the better team. Um, and, you know, a, a part of me is actually happy this happened because I'm so sick and tired of hearing SEC fans talk like they are the, the end-all to football. Like there's not other teams out here. There have been four powerhouses in the last five to six years of college football. Two of those teams are in the Big Ten, and it's Ohio State and Michigan. The other two, Georgia and Bama, are in the SEC. I keep hearing, you know, well, they play this person, they don't play our schedule, yada, yada, yada. Man, look, if you throw them in there, by the time the recruiting cycles end in three to four years, they're going to be built to handle that kind of, of um, conference. People are just built based on their brand of football in their regions. That I mean, that's everywhere. That's everywhere. Yeah. You take a Texas high school team and you put them in Virginia, it's, it's, the Virginia team is going to have to adapt. The Texas yeah. team is going to have to adapt at some point too. Now the talent separation might be different, but the styles is what they have to adapt to. So Georgia, you talked about a little bit earlier too. 
Georgia and Michigan played. It looked like uh, Georgia and um, Alabama played. It looked like Bama was prepared. They looked better because they're familiar with that team. They step outside the box. They got, yeah, they got a month to prepare for Michigan, but they haven't seen Michigan. Vice versa, Michigan hasn't seen Bama. So in a sense, you get a feel of the real value of the teams in this last four based off the fact that they usually don't see these teams before they get here. They have a month to prepare. So there is literally no excuse when you lose. You had a month. You had a month. You lost because you just wasn't good enough. And that's where we're at now. Thank God that it's two teams that are not SEC. And thank God that it's not Texas football (laughs) in one of these last two teams. God, I don't know what I would do, man. I don't know what I would do. You saw me say, when we go to Ann Arbor next year, I will be saying, go big blue. I will not cheer for Texas. Look, I was, honestly, I was kind of hoping Texas got in that championship. I mean, because I'm like, look, I'm like, hey, look, Ben was previewing that game then Ann Arbor for like the last three years. Yeah. So I'm sitting there like, hey, look, let's get them early now. So we don't have to hear this for the next eight months. But hey. So give me give me your final score prediction. Oh, man. I think it's going to be. I'm going to say. 30 to 23 Michigan and a close one. All right. 30 to 23 Michigan. I, I keep going back to it not being that high, man. I think it'll be – What's the over-under? Uh, I can check real quick because, I like, uh, even at, at, at the studio, you know, I got people saying, like, oh, it's, it's going to come down to a field goal. It's going to be a shootout. I'm like, I don't know. I feel like a lot of times in these games they're not shootouts. The um, over-under is uh, 55 and a half. Okay. So I did and the spread, the spread is up to four and a half or open at four and a half. You that's, know? That's about right. I would just, I'd say that's about right. I'll take. I mean, Wa- I'm. I'm still going to take Washington to cover, but I'm going with the under, and I think it's going to be something along the lines of like a, a 23 to 27 or 28 score. Like we'll get close to the over, but I I, I want to say nobody scores 30, and, and not just because um, I'm hoping that you know we get a good back and forth scheme wise. Right. But also just because the, the kids, man, they're all nervous. They're definitely all nervous. This ain't, these are not programs season to be in these spots. Yeah. <laughs> like, true, Bama, true. Michigan, Ohio state, even like their, their whole persona let, like is about, I belong here. Michigan and, and Washington are still happy to be here. So I think that might lead to a little bit of nerves. But if, if again, if Washington is allowed to dictate the pace of the game, then by all means, it's going over. And and that's not a good sign for, for Michigan. I mean, this is a big deal for the Big Ten, too. Because oh, yeah. Washington's Two coming in. And, uh, you know, Michigan having, you know, their, their success the last three years. And you got Ohio State, Oregon coming in. I mean, uh, I think the Big Ten is going to be really strong next year. Just off those four teams alone, they could go toe-to-toe with the SEC. But, I mean, you know. Let, 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 let the SEC fans tell it, you know, you know, we're still the SEC. So, oh, yeah, yeah. I, so, I saw, I saw a, a tweet saying that a book had capped that Georgia would be a two point favorite over Michigan. Georgia's not in it, people. Let it go. <laughs> let it hey, go. look, I, I honestly, I was kind of disappointed Georgia didn't get in. I, I hey, still, Michigan had, yeah, I Michigan had that beat Georgia drill. I mean, that we, I mean, I mean it went all for naught because they didn't even get in. I'm like, man. I would I would have loved to see that matchup because I like I like Georgia. Like I really like the way they play. I like the physicality. I like 
like everything they do. And, you know, Michigan, and that's why, you know, that's, and people think like that beat Georgia drill Michigan had was like, hey, you know, and everybody's like, hey, y'all need to beat TCU. I say, no, we had, they had that drill because, you know, Georgia's was the, is right now, they're the standard. Like, yeah. let's keep it real. Yeah. Like, if you want to be that standard, you have to practice at that standard. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I still think that that the politics behind that was was off. I don't think Georgia losing the SEC championship should have cost them like to fall that far. Like I mm-hmm. don't think so. I don't, it doesn't make any sense because they fell further than um, or they fell in a, like the way they fell and the way Bama rose just makes it just I don't know. But I'm glad. Yeah, weren't they like eight? Weren't they like yeah, they eight? were eighth. Yeah, they were eighth. Ooh. Eighth. Yeah, that that's kind of hard, and I, in, I ain't in a, I ain't in, a neutral, in a neutral site game, which also irks my soul. We're neutral site games; these teams shouldn't be penalized like that. But again, doesn't matter anymore. It's twelve teams. Half this crap that people are whining about, even Florida State fans, is crap that I said when the playoffs first got announced. Makes no sense to have four spots for five conferences. The fourth and fifth spot should have played for the fourth spot. From the jump, so the fifteen could never have a complaint that they were left out. Earn it. Yeah, that's a good and, point. And, and they and they never did that. They just because you know why television. So again, that's my rant. We will end on that. <laughs> I've got I've got uh, mm-hmm. the under, and like I said, I I forgot the score I put out, but yeah, either like 27, 28 to twenty three or twenty four. Uh, somebody somewhere is going to say it's rigged because they took the over. That's not the case. Um, and then I think that you know again, if Washington has their way. With the with the pace, that's bad, and then we'll probably get an over because I don't think I had TCU Michigan going over either. But I also didn't have them literally coming out trying to run the rabbits race because <laughs> that right. was crazy. That was crazy. So we'll see. And this this is an opportunity for Michigan to show that they learn from that because I think that's a, a great game to have loss and come into this game than to never experience that situation at all. So. Uh, we might be looking at a at an epic story of 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 an evolution of not only coach but team, and I look forward to the game on Monday. Yeah, man. I'm hey, look. I hope I hope I'm talking to you next week <laughs> with a smile on my face. I'll tell you that right. Right, because you you muted us before that game, you jerk. So. <laughs> yeah, I did. I was like, look, let me just chill out. Just uh, analyze the all twenty two and just uh, just take it from there. Just like, all right, we're good. But yeah, man, I appreciate you coming on, bro. And then um, no doubt, man. What we'll do um next week, next week um, because I do the podcast on Tuesdays. We'll just do a quick recap. I'll just have you uh cut a sound on like Tuesday morning or something like that, and I'll add it to the podcast. All right, no worries, man. Hey, man, good talking to you, bro. Yeah, man, take care. Likewise, bro.